0: Like, I will meet the bare minimum, and then we're cool. Yep. And repentance is, like, I'll never even meet it. I just want to give you yes. all I can. I want to bless you yes. and the gratefulness of my heart.
1: I don't just need to feel better. I need the truth. And ultimately, that will make me better.
0: I just want to make it as totally simple and no-brainer as possible for ladies to see that the Bible is really applicable to their everyday life. When they understand theology,
1: the application flows out of it quickly with joy. It is a journey, but even the journey itself is joyful. When I'm doing it, holding the hand of my Savior and trusting Him all along the way. This is the Joyful Journey podcast, a podcast to inspire and equip women to passionately pursue beautiful biblical truth on their journey as women of God. When you choose truth, you're choosing joy. Hello, welcome back. My name is Janet and I'm here with my co-host Jocelyn once again. Say hi, Jocelyn. Hey there. We're thankful you're joining us as we talk about what can be a confusing topic. What is the difference between repentance and penance and why does it even matter? This episode is the result of conversations I've had where people seem to confuse the concept of penance and repentance. Jocelyn, how about you? Have you seen that at all? Well, only in myself every day
0: (laughs) (laughs) and in all the counselees I work with and moms and mom-to-mom. Just, you know, it's a big topic. A lot of people aren't really sure what it means to be repentant. And it feels comfortable to feel like you can just take care of your problems yourself. So, yeah,
1: it's a common issue. I think I see it a lot. So I think what I need to do first is let's start out with defining our terms. Good idea. I just find that if we don't do that, I'll find we think we're talking about the same thing and we're just talking past each other. Yep, absolutely. So after that, we'll talk about what is different between the two, the different motivations, and then really what's the difference between an act of penance Hmm. and making restitution. I think that's going to be very helpful to know about. Yeah. So as far as repentance, I think a lot of us can give a decent definition and still maybe more commonly in the minds of, Women that we're talking to, we're hearing something very different. Mm-hmm. And that has, I think, serious implications Absolutely. for our growth. If we don't know how to repent, which we're supposed to do daily. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna read just several definitions to give us some thoughts about how to think more deeply about what is repentance. Good. I love definitions. You do. You are I the do. definition. I love queen. definitions. The Greek English lexicon says this to change one's mind. And I would say that's something we hear commonly. Repent means to turn, Mm -hmm. to change one's mind, to feel remorse, to repent, which Mm -hmm. always cracks me up. Repentance means to repent. (laughs) How helpful. (laughs) And be converted. In an article from the Gospel Coalition, which we'll link in our show notes, Michael Lawrence says this, repenting means exchanging, so we have that change Mm -hmm. concept again, exchanging our idols for God. Mm. And I think this is important. Before it's a change in behavior, it must be a change in worship. Yeah, that's deep. Repentance means hating what we formerly loved and served, our idols, and turning away from them.
0: I think that hating part,
1: that's pretty big. Yes. Yes. It's not just, what do I need to do now? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I need to step? turn. Yeah, I need to hate. Mm-hmm. Stephen Whitmer in another article from Desiring God says this, repenting means experiencing a change of mm-hmm. mind. There we have the change again. Yep that now sees God as true and beautiful and worthy of all our praise and all our obedience. Mm. And we're back to worship then. Yep. Exactly what he said in the last one. And another one in the book, Unpacking Forgiveness, Chris Braun says this, Biblically, to repent means to change behavior as a result of a complete Mm. change of thinking and attitude. Mm.
0: I love it that that first definition talks about feeling remorse. Because you can easily just do something different without feeling bad about it. And what it's saying is like doing the wrong thing should make you feel bad. And feeling bad is part of the motivation for changing because you realize it was wrong. You're motivated because you're like, hey, this isn't right. And I loved that that other one said hating what we formerly loved. Because when I think change, I don't think, oh, let's also change what I love or hate. Yes. And you know, all that stuff works together because you're not going to see a change of behavior that lasts unless
1: your mind was changed about it. Yes. You're going to keep going back to that same thing. Which is why I think it's important. The mm-hmm. Greek word many of us know means to turn. Mm-hmm. And that's true. But Jocelyn, I think you're exactly right. If we leave it at the behavior mm-hmm. level, then we can turn and not truly have repented. hmm and not truly have changed what we worship. You
0: can just be doing the right things and inside of your head, continuing to think wrongly
1: about it. And as a result, it can easily get confused with penance. Mm -hmm. So what is it that we need to turn? Our behavior, yes, but first our mind, the way we think about our sin, the way we think about our behavior, and we turn our worship, we turn what we love. Mm -hmm. So it's a turning of our heart. Exactly. That will result in a turning of our behavior. Yep. So bottom line, repentance is changing my heart. And so we're going to look at the implications of that later in this podcast. But first, what does that have to do then with penance? Mm, Good question. And I would say penance is really the exact opposite Mm. of repentance. And here's why I say that. In penance, we get to exalt man. Mm -hmm. I made up for it. And now I'm good again. Mm -hmm. I did this, I paid, and now I'm good. I even had somebody tell me that I was talking to about the cross and about becoming a Christian, and she said, I pay my own way. Mm. It was offensive to her that Christ would pay it for Mm. her.
0: That's outright, but think about how much we say that inside of our own heads. Oh, yeah. Like, I can take care of this mess.
1: Yes. I'll clean it up. And then God will be happy with me because I fixed it, Yep, which is exalting me. And it's a misunderstanding of the law. And I will explain that here in a minute. But first, what is penance? Good question. Another definition
0: mm-hmm.
1: from yourdictionary.com. No idea, but it <laughs> It's but it a works. reliable source. <laughs> <laughs> penance is self-punishment done to try to right a wrong or the receipt of absolution from sins from a priest by fulfilling some requirements. So I do something. Mm. It's an act of self-mortification or devotion performed voluntarily to show sorrow for sin or other wrongdoing.
0: It reminds me of people whipping themselves. Like, I'm so sorry that I'm going to hurt myself.
1: Yes. Voluntary self-imposed punishment for a sinful act or wrongdoing. It may be intended to serve as reparation Mm. for the act. So it's a way to make up for our sins. It's a way to pay for them ourselves. Which, when we get to restitution, Mm -hmm. restitution is the exact opposite Mm -hmm. of that. Restitution is not motivated by, I will pay for this. So we're going to have to keep looking at what is the motive, what's the purpose behind the activity. Michael Lawrence, in that same article, went on to say this. Too often we treat repentance as a call to clean up our lives. We do good to make up for the bad. Mm -hmm. We try to even the scale or even push it back to the positive side. Sometimes we talk about repentance as if it were a really serious religious New Year's resolution. It's
0: like works-based sanctification all the way right there. Yes. I can work my way out of this bad thing, this bad state.
1: Which I think was fascinating because I believe what he just described is penance. Mm -hmm. But interestingly, we frequently call that repentance. Yes. And it's the opposite. Mm -hmm. Heather Starkweathers works at Vision of Hope, the director there, and she says this, Self-harm can be motivated by unresolved guilt, seeking to punish themselves as a form of penance. They deserve punishment, and they see self-harm as a means to rectify the sin, mm. which is interesting. Many things can motivate self-harm, but one of them can be it's a form of penance. Yeah. I did bad. I deserve to be hurt. Mm-hmm. I will hurt me. Mm-hmm. It's an unbiblical way of dealing with guilt. Yeah. And if there is true guilt, which which of us does not have true guilt? Right, exactly.
0: That's what I was just thinking.
1: How do we address it? Repentance, Mm -hmm. not penance. Not penance. I turn from loving that sin enough to do it to loving God.
0: And what's so interesting is that if you do have the wrong view, penance is this view that I could possibly pretend like this thing isn't controlling me or isn't true. But repentance is saying it is true. And there is a solution for it.
1: Yes. What is the motive behind penance? The motive behind repentance is that I recognize and hate my sin and turn from it because my heart has been changed Mm -hmm. by the grace of God. So what motivates penance then? Well, I think a variety of things can motivate us to want to perform penance. And sometimes it's really just wrong theology, Mm -hmm. which is one reason we're talking about it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people punish themselves because they really think they're supposed to. Right. I think that
0: they believe that this is the right way to deal with stuff. Yes. You did something wrong. Now fix
1: it. Which, because in the world, that's what you're supposed to do.
0: Exactly. That's the only hope there is for change.
1: Yes. So they believe that's what God expects. Yep. Do we understand that's the opposite message of the gospel? If I can punish myself for my sin... What in the world does that say about Jesus' yeah, death? It
0: was totally unnecessary. Yeah. If you could possibly get your way out of your sin, why did Jesus have to die?
1: Yes. Or maybe he had to die. I will tell you, this is what I used to think. I know I sin. I know Jesus needed to die for me, but then I have to do something to get over the top. Mm, push it over. So I'm going to add to what mm. Jesus did. Not thinking all the way through that, because that would mean I believe Jesus' death was insufficient. Yeah. That you needed to do something to finish it. That I could actually add to it. Right. Yes. So understanding the theology of the cross is going to be paramount Mm -hmm. in understanding why penance is offensive. Mm -hmm. And the person's right. Their sins should be punished. Right. And there's this part of us that has this sense of justice that says, you just shouldn't be able to get away with things. Mm -hmm. You deserve to be punished. I think that's a valid point to talk
0: about because... I mean, that's a part of being made in the image of God, is that you understand that there's right ways to do things. It's righteousness. Yes. And he has every right to be upset with us when we're not living rightly. But it's just a misunderstanding of how that's
1: applied and how that's taken care of. Yes. Because that is exactly what's so amazing about what Jesus did. Exactly. Because it's exactly right that my sin deserves punishment. True. It's exactly right that because of the standard of righteousness, Mm -hmm. I fall short. What's wrong is to think that I could do anything about it. I'm even helpless to do anything about that. Right. There's something about penance that gives me control. Mm -hmm. I can't even do that. Mm -hmm. I can't do enough to punish myself. If it were up to me, I would have to die, and then all that would do is pay for it. It requires my life.
0: And I think that's part of the wrong theology. Is if you don't really understand the theology of sin, then you're going to have misperceptions about it yes. and misperceptions of what to do about it. But a really good biblical understanding of sin should help you understand that penance won't cut it. It's, right. not, it's not enough. It's sin not is that,
1: grievous. It's not that you shouldn't have to hurt yourself. It's that you can't do enough. You cannot possibly pay for it. Yes. So we have to understand theologically the cross. Mm -hmm. And that should bring us in a humble gratitude that he did what I can't. Absolutely. But I do think sometimes it's not just or even at all part of our theology. The root of my desire for penance really can be my pride. I I agree. And there's a couple ways I think that. First of all, It is a minimization of the effect of sin. Mm -hmm. Now, we've said theologically, sometimes we just don't get it. Mm -hmm. And that's true. We just may be uninformed. Mm -hmm. But for some of us, we want to minimize sin. We do know how bad sin is, but we just don't want it to be that bad for us. Yes. So it seems humble Mm -hmm. to say, oh, I deserve punishment, and I should do something to pay for it, and I shouldn't come to God until I've done my part. Mm -hmm. But it's actually very proud because it really says... I can do something about it. That you're able to. My sin is not so big Mm -hmm. that I can't fix it. And it means I don't understand the holiness of God. I was raised in a fairly religious home, and and so it really encouraged a kind of penance. Mm -hmm. I remember at one point later on, my dad is now gone, but at one point when my dad was a little more open to talking about things of eternity on the phone a couple of years before he died, we were talking of something about trying to do the right thing. And I remember him telling me, well... He tried to do right. I just do the best I can. And I can remember saying to him, well, you know, I believe that. And here's what God's standard requires. Yes. Perfection. Mm -hmm. Never sinning. Not one time. Mm -hmm. He's holy. He's sinless. And if you're going to stand in the presence of God, Dad, you're going to have to be sinless as Mm -hmm. well. Perfectly sinless. Yes. Pure. Never having sinned. I was so grateful that it seemed like. He was beginning to understand that. We had these conversations before, but he got quiet. And then he said, then it's hopeless for me. And I'm thinking, that's right. That's why we need Jesus. I need you to understand that, or you're going to keep thinking you can pay for Mm -hmm. it. That's right. You can't make up for it. But until then, he had to minimize sin and Mm -hmm. minimize its effect and then believe highly enough of himself to think that he could pay for it. Yeah. So So it's a combination,
0: minimizing sin and maximizing
1: you and your ability. Yes. And another area of pride, which is aligned with all of that, is we just have this justification of self, this Mm. self-righteousness that permeates us, and it will cause us to believe we can earn our way to heaven. Mm. And in the past, I have even said, well, those are legalists. Those are people who believe they can obey the law and be a believer. They believe that obeying the law will save. But it was fascinating. I heard Leon Duncan talk about this and I thought, oh my word, that's so true. In reality, legalists, those who are trying to be saved by the law and their works, all they're showing is they don't understand the law. Mm, yeah, because the law is absolute. Yeah, it's fascinating. He says this and he's talking about the rich young ruler in Matthew 19 and then the lawyer in Luke 10. Okay. He says this. In this passage, he's talking about Matthew 19, Jesus exposes the rich young ruler's self-righteousness. He thought he was keeping the commandments, Mm -hmm. but in reality, the rich young ruler was failing to love his neighbor by valuing his personal possessions and wealth more than his neighbor's good. And then he says, as the following context makes clear, Jesus isn't teaching justification by works when he talks to the lawyer in Luke 10. Mm -hmm. He's exposing the Mm self-righteousness of the lawyer. In fact the lawyer's response demonstrates just how well Jesus has exposed his heart. As Luke records, the lawyer, wishing to justify himself, said to Jesus, well, who's my neighbor? That's fascinating. Yeah. So this question reveals a great deal about the lawyer in particular Mm -hmm. and about legalists in general, Legon Duncan goes on to say. I love this. While legalists are fastidious about keeping the law, They're always looking for loopholes to avoid Scripture's intrusion into their life. That is interesting. They're not humbly saying, I want to do it all. Right. In response to the lawyer's evasive and self-justifying question, Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. Mm. And I love that. Yeah. To think about the fact that legalists don't get it. Mm -hmm. Because if you understood the law, it would crush you. Mm -hmm. If you want to live by the law, you would be crushed and in despair at all times. And you can't do it. You cannot. An accurate understanding of the law leads you to cry for mercy. Yes. It doesn't at all lead you to say, I'll pay for that. Mm-hmm. Romans 3, 19 to 20 says it this way. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Galatians 2:21, says this, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Mm. And he goes on to say in Galatians 3.24, therefore the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, so that we may be justified by faith. Mm. So penance, believing I can pay my way, is the opposite of repentance that realizes Christ paid it all, and I want to love him more than my sin, and I turn. And as a result, in penance, man gets glorified mm. because look what I did to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And in repentance, man is humbled to the point of knowing there is nothing I can do, and God is glorified.
0: And I think also a deep love for Jesus is the result of true repentance. Yes. And it reminds me of Luke seven forty-seven and it says this therefore i tell you her sins which are many are forgiven for she loved much but he who is forgiven little loves little i think about that passage all the time cuz like if i truly grasped the seriousness and the depth of my sin i would recognize there's no solution for it outside of jesus and that's going to cause me to be so grateful so yes. grateful for his forgiveness and the possibility of being reunited with God that I then live in a life that is just devoted to righteousness devoted to Jesus so I'm not just trying to like you know follow all the rules as a Christian I'm trying to love my savior yes. cuz I can't believe he
1: was willing to forgive so many sins yes which is the opposite the world would say if you pile on letting people know how wicked yeah. and how sinful they are they're going to be in despair they're going to feel terrible about themselves but the scriptures say Pile it on. Yes. It it
0: makes you just
1: so devoted to
0: Jesus. It
1: gives me more to be grateful Mm -hmm. for. And it exposes the part of my heart that is still a legalist Mm -hmm. because it gets crushed. Mm -hmm. I'm in despair. I can't do it. Are you kidding me? It's that bad? I can remember when I recognized I can't even make me repent well. Mm -hmm. Like... I can't even, even do that, that. Even that is from the Lord. Yes. Like, I want to love God. I can't even do that. Like, oh, my word. It's not just a matter <laughs> of don't ruined. say it. Don't think it. Don't want it. Are you kidding me? Yeah. How do I do that? Jesus, help yes. me. Yes. Oh, my word. You covered that, too. Yeah. Amazing. So penance and repentance, exact opposite, but many times we get them confused in our head. And so... I'm wondering, like,
0: okay, sometimes when you sin, there are consequences. Yeah, You know, how do you handle that? Because it's not like you can penance your way out of consequences, and also you can't repent your way out of consequences. Like, consequences are the result of stuff that happens. So what
1: do you do about all that? Yep. So where do restitution and consequences fit? And I think especially if we've said, okay, penance and repentance, I see they're not the same, Mm -hmm. but... If I need to make restitution, isn't that penance? Right. It's so tricky. Yeah. And if penance is unbiblical, then how is restitution biblical? Mm -hmm. And here's the first thing I'll say. Again, motives are important. Yeah. What's going on inside of your heart? Yeah. So what is restitution? Let's define that too. Google, my good friend, (laughs) says this. Restitution means the restoration of something stolen or lost back to the proper owner. It can also be defined as the recompense for injury or loss by the person responsible mm-hmm. for the injury or loss. And you can see examples of that
0: all throughout the Old Testament. Like if you're borrowing your neighbor's donkey and he gets killed, how many donkeys do you give him
1: back? Right. You know all right. sorts
0: of law that helps people know how to make things right with people.
1: Yes. Chris Bronze again in unpacking forgiveness says discipline is the loving correction of a parent. Penalty is the price required for the offense. Mm -hmm. If you're a believer, the purpose of God's discipline is not to inflict upon you the punishment you deserve, Mm -hmm. because if that were the case, God would send you to hell.
0: That fact had a ton of implication for me in my parenting, because when my kids do wrong, I cannot possibly punish them enough for it, Right, but I can discipline them. I can help them to understand the right way of thinking about it and then learning to live that right way, but we cannot possibly pay the punishment right that
1: we need to pay for it. It was the punishment of sin is death. Right. Every time for every sin. And if we understand that, then we realize, okay, there there is no mm-hmm. punishment. There is right. no penance, but there are still consequences. Exactly. He goes on to say, consequences are important for the sake of justice. Mm-hmm. and this is interesting, a willingness to accept consequences for sinful behavior is actually good evidence that the offender truly is repentant. And is humble enough to accept the consequences. whatever. It's not that Mm -hmm. I'm paying for it. I know Mm -hmm. that I can't pay for my sin, but I'm happy to do any consequence Mm -hmm. that came as a result of my sin. Joyful Journey friends, I'd like to share with you about a ministry that can give true hope to women who desperately need it. Vision of Hope is a residential ministry that is firmly based on God's Word and an unwavering stance on biblical principles to speak truth to struggling women in a way that they can find true help and hope through Christ. The program at Vision of Hope is Christ-centered, Bible-based, and committed to walk with ladies through the process of change in a loving and structured environment. They minister to women who are in need of help regarding addictions, habits of self-harm, worry, anxiety, depression, OCD, trauma, unplanned pregnancy, suicidal ideation, and many more. On average, most graduates are in the program for about 12 to 18 months, but sometimes longer on an as-needed basis. Another great ministry of Vision of Hope is an internship program. They're provided with opportunities to sit in on counseling sessions, receive thorough training regarding specific life-dominating issues, and grow in their gifts and talents by shadowing staff members and counselors. They desire to equip them to serve in ministries such as Vision of Hope, not only in the United States, but around the world. The interns dedicate a year of their lives to loving and serving others while having the opportunity to learn how to offer hope and help to others, grow in leadership and discipleship, and build lasting relationships with other godly women. There are many joys in seeing the growth of the interns there during their time at Vision of Hope as they grow into mature leaders in the biblical counseling world. I will link in the show notes some more information if you'd like to learn more about Vision of Hope. So, how do you understand the difference? Because penance can look like restitution. Yeah, that's a good question. Penance can look like the fruits of repentance. Mm -hmm. And penance seems to make sense. I did something wrong, and now I do something Mm -hmm. right. So, I would say the behaviors really, really can be similar, and the motives could not be more opposite. Mm. Yeah, So, let me give a situation. Let's think through what would penance look like. What would repentance look like? This is going to be helpful.
0: Okay. I'm ready for it. Okay.
1: So let's imagine I stole money from my family to support my drug habit and I'm caught and I feel remorse. I have had several counseling situations that were this exact situation. Yes. So now what's going to happen? Yep. Okay. I'm going to do penance. I feel so guilty. I'm going to pay the money back with interest and then they don't have anything over me anymore. Mm. We're even. Yep. I will feel better about myself since we're even, Mm -hmm. and I'm not obligated anymore. I don't owe my family anything now. I don't owe God anything now. I paid for it. I paid it all back. Nobody can ever bring it up to me again. I took care of it. Okay, so that's penance. That's penance. Here's repentance. My sin goes way beyond the money I stole. Mm. I have a depraved heart that wants to worship feeling good over worshiping God. I took took advantage of the trust and love of my family and used them to meet my desires. I was the center of my worship. Mm. God requires complete sinlessness to be in his presence. So all of my sinful heart desires must be paid for before I can be in his presence. Mm -hmm. And I cannot make up for the pain I've caused my family. Mm. That's big. Thinking about that, if you're the family member, And my daughter has stolen from me Mm -hmm. and then says, I took 20, but I'm returning 30. We're good now, right? As if that made up for the pain of the betrayal. That's what
0: I was just thinking. Like, how can you put a monetary figure on emotional manipulation or the trauma that comes with the life of a drug addict? Like, those things are
1: incalculable, they're beyond financial contribution. So, penance requires me to minimize my sin again, Mm -hmm. to make it manageable. Absolutely. And when I actually see my sin, all I can do is repent. Yes. And say, I cannot make it up to you. That's all that's left. There's no other option. Yes. So then what would biblical restitution look like? Well, the first thing is first John 1 9, I confess, mm. which means I agree with God. Mm-hmm. I agree with God. The repentance that I just talked about, I have a depraved heart. I agree with God about all that. I don't justify it. I don't minimize it. I just agree with God. And I think that starts out with an understanding that there is a right
0: way to function, and it is whatever God has said about that thing. And when you're confessing, all you're doing is saying, oh, I see that there is a right way. It's what you said, and I did not do it that way. Yes,
1: I was wrong. I am worshiping something other than the God of the universe. Yes. I am wrong. Then... I can praise God for Jesus mm. who did what I cannot do. Yeah,
0: I mean, how could you, with a true knowledge of the depth of your sin and seeing that Jesus' death was possible for the payment of your sin, how could there be any response but that? Yes. Like overwhelming, overflowing love and gratitude for
1: Jesus who was willing to fix this gigantic mess. Yes. He says in Hebrews 4.16, therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, which... Anytime I read that, I think back to the Old Testament where they approached the throne in the temple Mm -hmm. with trepidation for sure. They didn't want to die. Once a year, the high priest could go in on pain of death and only if he sacrificed an animal for his own sin first. And only if
0: he had a rope around his
1: leg and jingle bells on the bottom of his
0: (laughs) dress. So if they heard him stop jingling, they could pull him out. Because nobody's going in there. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yeah. And now boldly run. Mm. So that we can receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. That's what Jesus did. That's amazing. Ephesians 2, 4 to 5 says it this way: Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead. Talk mm-hmm. about not being able to do anything to make up for it. Yeah. I was dead. Dead. That's kind of what I was thinking about as
0: you were talking earlier. It's not like I was like not kind enough, not gentle enough, or not generous enough. Like I was dead. Yes, in my sins. Yes. And the only solution for deadness is to be made alive.
1: And you have no part of that I have when no you're part dead. of
0: that. Right. I need someone outside of myself to alive me.
1: And you don't add to, to it. Life. Right. You know, so it's by grace. So I will praise God and that will lead to gratitude. Mm. So first, when I recognize my sin, what does repentance look like? You're right, God. I am completely wrong. That's the ugliness of my heart. Thank you that Jesus did what I cannot do, which is he lived a life fully worshiping his father all, the, all time, the time and then said, give that to Janet. Mm-hmm. Then it leads me to incredible gratitude. As you've been saying, Jocelyn, now I want to walk worthy of the one who did that for me. Mm-hmm. Now I get to Ephesians four, one, after Ephesians one to three tells me all the amazing things God has done. I get to Ephesians four, one, now live a life worthy of that calling. And Dude, I want so to, beautiful. and I want to, yeah. and part of that gratitude is, I get the joyful ability to make restitution Mm. as a fruit and evidence of the repentance that has already taken place. Mm -hmm. And you see that in Luke 19 with the story of Zacchaeus. And we know the story that Zacchaeus was a tax collector and he stole from people. But after he met Jesus, he says, Jesus does not ask this of Mm -hmm. him. He says, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And because he had repented and come to Jesus, that was his heart's response. And that fruit Mm -hmm. led Jesus to say, today salvation has come to this house.
0: And so an evidence of salvation is that you're not stingy with how you handle the consequences of your sin you're generous yes so salvation results in generosity yes generosity in making things right with what your behavior cost that person and it's beyond the monetary value we know that it's right. not possible to calculate that but it i think that's one of the ways to think about is this behavior in my head is this penance or repentance is it stingy or
1: is it generous. I think it's an excellent point because Jesus did not say, okay, restitution means give away half your money and give back four times the amount. Right. That is not a restitution right. law. Right. That was a heart that said, I want to do more than, than maybe I need to right? because I'm so grateful for what you've done for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sure he did hurt knowing what, how he had taken mm-hmm. advantage of people. I just want to bless them now.
0: I am the grateful recipient of generosity And I need to let that generosity flow out of my life into the lives of the people that I've wronged.
1: Yes. So Jesus didn't tell Zacchaeus he needed to do it, Mm -hmm. but it was a beautiful evidence to those watching that Jesus had transformed Zacchaeus. Yes. And it wasn't Zacchaeus saying... I'll make things right with God. I'll give you your money back and now mm-hmm. we're all good. Do you see the heart is the opposite right. of that. Repentance is like, I will meet the bare minimum and then we're cool. Yep. And repentance is like I'll never even meet it. I just want to give you yes. all I can. I
0: want to bless you yes. out of the
1: gratefulness of my heart. So when we repent, we're saying, I'm turning from representing my own value mm-hmm. to representing God's. Mm. And Zacchaeus was representing the values of God by being generous. And what's super encouraging about the Zacchaeus story is that that
0: change was instantaneous. So it's not something necessarily that will always be an instantaneous change. We no. might have to work That's hard on right. it. But it is possible that when God puts a new life into your
1: heart, you can see changes that are significant right away. Yeah. And in that, God was exalted, not Zacchaeus. Exactly. Because Zacchaeus, it wasn't like, here's what I'll do to make you happy. Yeah. He didn't say, look at me, look, look at me. me. It was all that you've done for me, this is the least I can do. And so how important is that? Oh, I think it's very, very important to understand the difference. What's the danger of not getting this right? Yeah. What's the danger of thinking, well, whatever, in the end, you still give them money back. Mm -hmm. What's the danger of that? And I would say, I think it's really possible to have false converts. Yeah, I agree. And especially if you look at how Jesus connected
0: in Luke 19, he said, So this generosity from Zacchaeus and and restitution for the people he had stolen from is like connected to salvation. Yes. This is an evidence that salvation actually came to this house today. And so if you get this wrong, it's very connected to your understanding of the true cost of your sin. Yes.
1: Yes. It is possible for someone to think they've moved from the Mm. kingdom of self to the kingdom of God when they haven't. And I think we need to be sobered by that. That's actually kind of scary. Yeah. Michael Lawrence in the article I mentioned earlier goes on to say... Calling people to make a decision without calling them to repent, and I would say understanding biblical repentance. What that means, yeah. Not only risks creating a false convert, think about this it risks vaccinating a person against the real gospel. That's kind
0: of scary, isn't it?
1: They think they already have Christianity. And then we double down and say, once saved, always saved. Mm -hmm. You prayed a prayer when you were three, Mm -hmm. you never have to worry about it again. Yep. Wow. Think about that. When we tell people to make up for their sin, Or when we say things like, you need to ask Jesus in your heart and then go to church and tithe and serve, we could be giving them false hope when they haven't repented at a heart level.
0: And I think sometimes people are afraid of being that real about the cost of sin. And so a quick ask Jesus into your heart is like, oh, good, they're in heaven now. Yeah. Because we're not confident that Jesus's answers will actually be adequate for how crushing the realization is that we have really sinned. Yes. And I think as your confidence in understanding the gospel grows, you'll be less afraid to go to real places with people.
1: Yes. And I think also because at some level, we all know how wicked we are. Mm -hmm. We just don't want to deal with it. We don't want to let it be real. For somebody else to come up to me and say, actually, I know that too about you, that you're that (laughs) wicked. And there's hope. Yeah. There's a solution. There's a solution. But we don't need to minimize sin. And I think in an effort to get them to pray, Mm -hmm. we may do that and to think... We may be encouraging penance. I've made up for it, God. I go to church. I give 10% of my money. Mm -hmm. I serve in three different ways. I've made up for it. Now I can feel good about me. I was involved
0: in a situation with someone that I loved that was just devastated about the possibility that they were actually as bad as they thought they were. And the effort was just do a bunch of good things. Keep everything good. Keep everything smooth. And when we could just come to this place where we acknowledged, well, you actually are as wicked as you believe that you might be, instead of it just dissolving that person into like overwhelming fear that took them over. And then I followed up with the solution. And that's why Jesus needed to come. He offered a solution to you being ruined by sin. It was like the opposite of desolation. It was so hopeful. There's relief. There's relief right there. Like you don't have to worry that you're actually that bad. You are that bad. And look, the solution, it's available to you.
1: I heard Tim Keller once talk about what it means to truly understand grace. The recognition that I can't make up for anything. No amount of penance Mm. is going to even the score. And he talked about, I'll probably butcher it, but this illustration was just so interesting to me. He talked about meeting with an unbeliever. Okay. She was asking a lot of questions about Christianity, and she was trying to come to grips with what does this whole saved by grace alone mm-hmm. thing mean? So he was explaining what grace really is, and she made the connection, which I think was very rational and right. If she could be saved by works, then there's a limit to what God can ask of her. Mm. I pay for it. Okay. I need to do a certain amount of things, and then I have appeased God, mm. and now, now you're I'm done. done with appeasing. You're done. Yeah. But if it's grace... There's no limit to what he could ask of her. She's never not obligated. Which totally mirrors First Peter. Like he bought you. Yes. He bought you with his blood. You yes. You belong to him. Now obedience becomes unconditional. She yes. owes him everything. everything. And to think, okay, when I understand that, penance is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Penance doesn't even make sense. And then Tim Keller went on to say, every step you take in Jesus, you go deeper in debt because even that step you took... Mm-hmm. He gave you the grace to take it. <laughs> so any step I take of growth is taken by the grace of God. So now I owe Him even more. I'm a debtor to grace. Mm. And when I understand that, I will be in despair at the idea of penance because my debt keeps growing. Mm. I owe Him more and more every day. Yeah. Because He's giving me the grace more every day, more and more every day, which is amazing.
0: So false converts. Yes. One of the results of not getting this right. What else?
1: I think it can lead to a really wrong view of forgiveness Mm. because doing penance means that the one who sinned is the one who pays. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, they did wrong. Yeah. Make it right. But if you think about the concept of biblical forgiveness, I love this quote from Chris Bronze. In biblical forgiveness, the forgiving person pays the Mm. price of forgiveness. Yeah,
0: Because it's expensive to be sinned against.
1: Yes. And you choose to absorb it. Yeah. Forgiveness is a commitment by the offended to pardon graciously the repentant from moral liability and to be reconciled to that person. And then he says, although not all consequences are necessarily eliminated. Clearly. If somebody needs to go to jail, they go to jail, right? all those things. Right. But the moral liability, I absorb it. Mm-hmm. So I choose to not hold it against that person. Right, so they don't pay. The, you, the offender gets off and the offended pays. With a
0: wrong view of repentance and penance, the forgiveness is like, too cheap. You don't acknowledge the true price, yes. the, the true cost that that sin had on you, and it, it's just like, oh, it was nothing. No, no. it's it's right. not nothing. It's big.
1: Yes. Forgiveness is not free, Chris mm-hmm. Brown said. Mm-hmm. Christ suffered in our place. And I think to remember the whole point of saving faith is knowing we've been forgiven. Mm-hmm. We didn't pay. We sinned, Christ Paid. paid and God that's said, what forgiveness is. He's not viewing our sin against us. Jesus's death covered our sin. Yes. So we're not going to understand forgiveness between us and God. We're not going to understand forgiveness between people if we're living in the construct of penance. And
0: think about all the weird relationships, like with other humans, that fall out of a wrong view of forgiveness. It's like you have to avoid them for the rest of your life because you know you owe them still, even yes. if they forgive you. Like. Biblical forgiveness says, I recognize the heavy weight of your sin and I choose to not hold you accountable for it. And then reconciliation is like a joyful experience where your relationship actually gets bigger and deeper and more wonderful and more full of love because you're like so beholding to that person for not holding your sin against you. Yes. It's like, it's kind of like how you love Jesus more when you can have an opportunity to be forgiven in a human relationship. It deepens that relationship when you have the right view of forgiveness. Right. Right. So any other ways that bad results can happen if you don't understand repentance or penance?
1: I think the other thing that I would just mention is I think it can blind us to our own need to repent. Mm. If I think I've paid for it, yeah. then I'm not going to deal with my heart. Right. And I had a dear friend say recently, a situation came up where she works and she was not happy with something someone said to her. Mm-hmm. And she said, typically what I would do is go, I will say what I'm supposed to say. I will do what I'm supposed to do. And I will move on. <laughs> and so I've done it. Mm-hmm. But when you understand that's not repentance, mm. she said, I later went home and went, okay, but what's going on in my heart? Mm-hmm. And I won't deal with my heart. And my sin is still going to be there. Yeah. And I'm deceived. So doing penance will distract me from mm-hmm. dealing at a heart level mm. with repentance. Mm. Wow.
0: So- what can we do to grow in doing this the right way? How can we
1: become more biblically repentant? Well, and it's definitely a process. And even that is a grace, right? I can't mm-hmm, even do yeah, that. I can't even do the process without right. Jesus' help. But I love, Tim Keller talked about repentance beginning with removing the idols in our heart. Hmm. Because we've already said it's not first a behavior. Right, right. So I'm going to have to work at how do I remove the idols in my heart so that I can repent, so that I'll stop loving and worshiping something else. And I'll actually turn in my heart to God. So how do you do that? How do you get rid of idols? I loved his first comment. It was be ruthless, Mm. which really hits what we said earlier about minimizing. Yeah. Don't minimize. He said, realize they completely dominate you when you don't know they're there. Mm, That's true. You're blind to them. Yes. So first, you have to be aware they're there. Mm -hmm. Bring them into the light. No minimizing, no rationalizing, be ruthless with yourself. No, but at least I'm better than I was. I'm not as bad as I could be. No, be ruthless and then run to the cross. Which is like, you know, penance is the opposite of that. It's not that bad. I can make up for it. Not a big deal. So if I find in my head that I'm saying those kind of phrases, Mm -hmm. I'm probably on the penance track. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then I need to be thinking when Tim said it this way, I thought, wow. When he said, think about what has this sin done to God? Not how does it make me feel bad because I can't feel so good about me. Not how did it maybe hurt someone else or not because I didn't say it out loud. It put Jesus on the cross.
0: And it's like when you're not thinking about what it's done to God, you're placing yourself in that judge position. Oh, I get to define
1: good and evil. I get to call the shots. I get to say what's helpful or not helpful. Yep. But when I am thinking about what it did to God, it should be clear that I cannot make up for it. Mm -hmm. And it should bring me to my knees grateful for his love and mercy, his Hesed love Mm -hmm. that if you missed that episode, go back and listen to that to be amazed by his love. It is his unfailing love for us.
0: So we're working on growing in biblical repentance. The first thing is remove those idols, be ruthless in exposing them and getting them out. And then what
1: next? Then we got to start recognizing the fruit. Okay. So remember our definition of repentance I should be able to, after I've dealt with my heart, I should be able to recognize some fruit. Mm-hmm. Before it's a change in behavior, it's a change in worship. Absolutely. But it will result in a change in behavior yeah. as well.
0: Because when your mind has changed about something, your heart has changed, the behavior is going to follow that. Yes. Kind of like Ephesians four twenty two through 24 says, the key to that lasting change is
1: that your mind was changed about it and then the behavior flowed out of it. Right. And so you know you can at some points it becomes semantic. Is a change in your heart the fruit, or is it the repentance? Mm-hmm. Let's just, for lack of a better way to say it, the first fruit mm-hmm. of repentance is that your heart changes. That's a good way to say it. So the first fruit is going to be my heart is changing. Mm-hmm. I'm agreeing with God. I'm not saying, I know you said I shouldn't do it. I know I shouldn't have. But and I, was I did tired. it anyway. He was
0: mean.
1: Yes. And I've even had people say to me, I know it's wrong, but, but, I, don't, but I don't hate it. Yeah. It's agreeing with God. Mm-hmm. It's admitting not only that he's more powerful, but that he's right. Mm-hmm. So I'm already turning in my thinking. Mm-hmm. And I have to ask God to help me do that. Yeah. If I've truly confessed, then it's going to mean I truly believe I'm wrong. I'm not just saying it. Mm-hmm. I know God, I'm supposed to say this. Yeah. I, if I truly confess, logically, it means I actually believe I'm wrong. Right. Well... If you think you're wrong, you stop doing something.
0: <laughs> and if you like want true confession, then you can't just do the act of apologizing. You actually have to believe that yes. what you did was wrong. Yes.
1: So both happen. It doesn't make sense to say I repented, but I didn't change. Mm-hmm. Well, who keeps doing something they've just admitted they know is wrong? If you keep on doing it, then you haven't really
0: repented. Your mind hasn't actually flipped. It hasn't gone to a new belief. So now
1: you've said the words as an act of penance. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I was just thinking
0: that like you could actually confess in a penitential way. I don't know the right word for that. In a penance
1: kind of way. Yes.
0: Your confessions could be kind of penancy.
1: Because I've read the Bible. I know I'm supposed to say that now. So I say my words. Yes. But we see some biblical examples that I think are beautiful. All through Psalm 51, you see David owning his sin. Great example of what does real confession to God look like. Yeah, He owns it. He calls on God's mercy to forgive him. And then you see that repentant heart resulting in a repentant behavior mm-hmm. because he says, all I want to do now is teach others about your character. Yes. But let's contrast that with someone else. Who said the right words. That's
0: helpful. It's helpful for me to see like, okay, here's the wrong way to do it co- opposed to the right way to
1: do it. So in 1 Samuel 15, I'm not going to read the whole passage right now, but in 1 Samuel 15, 10 to 31, Saul does sin against God and okay. the prophet Samuel is calling him out on it. Okay. He initially says, oh no, actually it wasn't me. I, I kind of did what he told me. So after we get through all the justifying, mm-hmm. here's what he finally says, which sounds like Okay, finally, Mm -hmm. he gets it. He says this in verses 24 and 25. Saul answered Samuel, I have sinned. Hmm. I have transgressed the Lord's command and your words. Because I was afraid of the people, I obeyed them. Now, therefore, please forgive my sin and return with me so that I can worship the Lord. Hmm. That sounds pretty good. I mean, it sounds right. He owned it. And we see 10 verses later, even to the day of his death, Samuel never saw Saul again. Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Mm. Lord regretted he had made Saul king over Israel. Mm. So clearly, Saul had not repented. Mm -hmm. And if you look at his behavior following this, it's evident he had never repented. He was saying the right words, but his heart was the same. Exactly. So his behavior betrayed Mm. his motives.
0: Mm. Which is helpful for us to see. If we keep on doing the wrong thing, maybe it's because our heart hasn't changed about it. So it's kind of like an indicator on the dashboard. Yes. Okay, Lord, help me. Yeah, I'm seeing it
1: again. And there is a particular area in my life right now, just this last week, it was like, you know, Lord, I have confessed this to you. Help me hate it. Mm -hmm. Help me hate it. Because if I don't hate it, I'm still worshiping Mm -hmm. it. And I need his help to hate it. Before this statement of confession, he blamed others and he rationalized. After that statement, he then prioritized how he looked before the elders. Mm. Help me look good. And God is not fooled. Yeah. And we shouldn't be fooled either. Yeah. It is fitting to expect fruits of repentance to follow a heart of repentance. Mm. In Isaiah 58, you see all the outward fruits of repentance. It says they came daily to the temple. They're listening to teaching and they appear delighted in it. They're praying for help and they're fasting. And the second half of Isaiah 58, God tells them, your fruit is disgusting. Mm. You're doing all of these things, but you're still taking advantage of the poor.
0: Mm. You're missing the whole point. Yeah.
1: So your behavior is betraying Mm. what you're saying. So it will start with the heart, but it will result in a change of behavior. When I'm talking about this with others, I frequently, which I know only Jocelyn can see right now, (laughs) I I will draw a curved line like a pendulum, like a clock that would go back and forth on a pendulum. And I will say, this is our tendency, self-righteousness, self-pity, opposite ends of the pendulum. That's the truth. I either think, I am better than that. I don't do those things. Or I go way over here to the other side and go, I can't believe I did that. I can't (laughs) believe I did that bad. And to realize, sometimes we think the goal is to stop going from side to side and get right there in the middle. <laughs> I want to get right there in the middle and be balanced. But realizing self-righteousness, self-pity, it's all about so, self. I want to be balanced in my
0: selfishness. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So how about get off the pendulum? Yeah. That's what the gospel does. Because self-righteousness says, I'm better than that. Mm-hmm. I'm a good Christian. I'm entitled. I tithe. Basically, I'm a Pharisee. hmm and then I move over. went, And then what happens is I fail. Mm-hmm. And then I move over into self-pity. Oh, I'm miserable. And I can't say, believe it. Yes. I don't deserve to even be forgiven. Ugh. I need to make up for it before God. Mm. Because I knew better. Oh, my word, I'm so bad. I can't believe I did that.
0: But that's not adequate. Neither of those are adequate.
1: No. And I love My husband has said to me, when we say things like, I can't believe I did that. He has said, if you're thinking theologically, Janet, why would you ever be surprised that you sin? Yeah. You should be surprised anytime you don't sin. That's an evidence of the grace of God. That has been so helpful for me, because I struggle with pride,
0: probably like everyone. Yep. I tend to think all the time, I cannot believe I did that. What is wrong with me? Why do I keep doing these horrible things? Instead, seeing like, it is a miracle that I ever do anything appropriately. Yes.
1: yes. So if I'm thinking of myself accurately i'm going to end up in a really bad place mm-hmm. high self esteem low self esteem are both about how right. can i esteem myself self. right and the gospel says get to the end of mm-hmm. yourself i need to repent of esteeming myself at yeah. all and my pride box at that and then the way i like to say it is then he takes me kicking and screaming to a better place mm-hmm. When I'm like, no, I can't give that up. I can't give that up. And then, oh. This was way better. <laughs> yeah. Only Christ's righteousness, not mine. This is great. In the show notes, I have that article by Michael Lawrence that talks about just what are some indicators that you can read for false and true converts. But what I want to just mention, what are some indicators of what it might sound like to be on the self-righteous, self pity penance pendulum, because well, both of those are penance. How
0: about if you just read my mind on the self-pity side, because <laughs> I have lived there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I did that. <laughs> and I love this quote that someone said to me, if you're disappointed in yourself, it means you hoped in yourself. Ugh, that Isn't hurts. that something? <laughs> yes. It's like, oh. It seemed so humble to be disappointed yeah. in myself, yeah. but it means my hope was in myself. Yeah, Yes. So if I'm saying that, I'm on the penance side of self-pity. Okay. Oh, that's just not like me. Yeah. I think that's so funny. I can still remember years ago, I was working in somewhere else and this woman I met, I just met her. And I can't tell you how many times she kept saying, I know you don't really know me, but this just isn't even like me. This just isn't even like me. This just isn't even like me. And I kept kept wanting to say, say, maybe it just is like you because you keep doing this and then telling me it's not like you. But I think that's just, it was just so cute. And maybe it really wasn't like her. I don't know. But that's what we say if we're in self-pity. Oh, that's just not like me. I'm better than this. Yeah. And for me, especially the next one,
0: despair. When I'm faced with my sin, that has yes. been such a companion in my life is just despair. like, Oh, my word. It's never going to get better. I can't believe it's still not yeah. fixed. Why do, why do I even try? Yeah. Why do I put any effort into this? I don't deserve to be forgiven. Mm. I'm so bad.
1: Oh, and here's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Are. Yeah. Yeah. Sure.
0: yeah. I think the solution to that is
1: be like, yeah, that's why you needed Jesus. Right. But the self-pity is I want to deserve mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Which is why it makes me sad instead of grateful. Mm-hmm. I'll make up for that if I find myself saying, before I go to God, I want him to see that I've tried yep. to he, fix it. He, it's right for him to forgive me because yes. I've tried to do things correctly. And a focus on how my failure reflects on who I am and how mm-hmm. I think of me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to think of me that way. Yeah, I don't like to think that I could do that. Mm-hmm. All of that would say I'm on the self-pity side. Yeah. The self-righteousness side, I start saying things like, well, at least I don't do what Jocelyn did. I know. She's a loser. (laughs) (laughs) Or I start listing all the ways I'm a good Christian. Oh, like justifying yourself to yourself. Yes. All the ways I deserve whatever it is I'm desiring Mm. because I've earned it. Yeah. Maybe God isn't fair because I'm not getting those things. If he was fair, this would have never happened. Yes. Or if I'm on the self-righteousness side... It's kind of hard to see my sin because I'm really focusing on yours right now. Yeah, it makes you kind of blind. Yes. The whole log spec thing. So what I think typically happens is we swing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. let's imagine I do a sin, which mm-hmm. that's not hard to imagine, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I sin. So if I'm on that pendulum, I start at self-pity. Yep. I cannot believe I did that. I feel so guilty. You know what? I need to work hard to make up for it. So then I start swinging the, the pendulum side. Yep. little by little. Okay. Now I'm going to do my penance. I'm going to make up for it. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm going to give more money. I'm going to serve more. And actually, I've done that enough and people are going, "Look how generous mm-hmm. she is." I'm actually feeling better about me. And now my self-esteem is getting higher and I'm thinking, "Why aren't you guys living as good as I am?" Yeah. And now suddenly, over time, I have made it all the way to the other side. But I never got off. Right. It's still all about you. Yes. So penance behaviors. Quick to acknowledge I could do better, and then I focus on doing better. Mm. I want to work hard to make up for my sin. I want to give time, money, and talent so that I'll feel better. Mm. I'm obeying, but there's not a lot of love and joy. These would be red flags. Mm. My prayer is focused on sharing with God how hard I'm trying Mm -hmm. instead of how much I adore Jesus. Right, because God is obviously oblivious. Right. So my penance behaviors require me to think about myself mm. but sometimes they will look good mm-hmm. and i prefer penance to repentance because then i can be done yeah you can be finished and then you can go rest because you would think why would anyone settle for penance when repentance is available mm-hmm. to them because then they can be done yeah and then i owe it all yeah and i want it to be manageable mm-hmm. so even this in our friendships part of what we're going to need to do in our own hearts and as we help each other expose that wrong view but Let's not ever do that without extolling the superiority of the gospel.
0: Right, because you can't just hammer having a wrong view of penance without replacing it with something better. Yes. And true repentance is better because you see the beauty of the gospel. Yes. The gospel is refreshing water to a thirsty soul. Like, we're in a desert. We're dying. We're dead. And here's the fountain of living water available to us. Yes. I
1: mean, it's so much better, so much more beautiful. And when I think about even my own soul, knowing all of that, if somebody fought God as much as I do, mm. I'd let him go. You know what? Y- yeah, you want penance fine. instead of repentance? Go. Do it. And yet God's arms are open. Mm. And I love that. And I hope that that will be an encouragement to our listeners today. Yeah. Oh, thanks for joining us while we talked through that important subject. And I hope you'll be able to come with us for our next episode. To keep from missing any future episodes, please sign up for our newsletter on our webpage, joyfuljourneypod.com. From there, you can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Google, or Spotify. You can also visit us on our Facebook page or Instagram at joyfuljourneypodcast. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can also email us at joyfuljourneyquestions@outlook.com. at outlook.com. Joyful Journey Podcast is a ministry of Faith Bible Seminary. All proceeds go to offset costs of this podcast and towards scholarships for women to receive their MABC through Faith Bible Seminary.